We're going to talk about making Jesus famous over the next few weeks, and for some of you, it's going to overwhelm you. Because you know what you need to do, but how you're going to get it done is not as simple. So I have two passages. Number one, what we want to do is Mark chapter 1, verse 28. Here's what it says. Immediately, his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. That is what we want to do. We want to be a people. How did Jesus' fame spread throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee? How did that happen? Because people saw what Jesus was doing, and they started sharing it with other people. People were so excited. Come on, people were so excited about what God was doing that they had not seen before. They knew it was fresh and revelational just for them that they were not willing much less able, but they were not willing to, to stay comfortable and not share it with somebody. So the way that Jesus's fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee was because people saw what was taking place. People saw a move of God that they had not formerly seen, and they did not keep it to themselves. They shared it. They went out into the highways and the byways and they let their friends, their family, even their enemies know something is happening. Now, how did they do that? This is our second series scripture. How do we want to make Jesus famous? John chapter three, verse 30. John says that he must increase and I must decrease. It's going to be really difficult for you to celebrate yourself and your Savior at the same time. If you want to make Jesus famous, he must increase and we must decrease. He must empower and we must submit. We'll give everything that we have. We'll give it all of our heart as unto the Lord. But when our ability runs out, we've got to expect and know and believe and understand that God is going to and has and shall forever step in and meet us where our ability ends. He must increase and we must decrease. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with this, um, for those of you 21 and under, you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. For those of you not, you may or may not know. But there is a, a, a young lady that if you just YouTube her, she's known as the How About That Girl, okay? And, uh, or you can YouTube How About That, or you can YouTube Cash Me Outside. And that's not because she wants to write you a check and exchange your check for money. It's because she wants you to catch her outside, Cash Me Outside. And what's crazy about this young lady is that at 13, 14 years old, she's on Dr. Phil. And, and they show this story of this young woman just being rebellious and, and, and argumentative and even fighting her mother. And, and they're going through this story and this girl just, I mean, just showing her hair flipping, long fingernail. And she's a beautiful little girl. She's, she's so pretty. She's such a beautiful young lady. And yet her heart is just possessed and controlled by a power that's beyond her. And the audience, unlike you, who just like, oh my gosh, it's like hurting my heart to see this little girl do this. The audience thinks it's amusing. 
And so people are kind of laughing at this little girl, which is, I don't know if you've ever seen a child do something ignorant, and people laugh, what does the child do? <laughs> they get more ignorant. Like, don't laugh at my kid, stop it. I'm going to whip him, and you're encouraging him. I've got to whip that anyway. So then it makes me look like a worse guy, right? Just like yesterday when Camry bit Kelsey on the shoulder, and I was like, <laughs> give me that baby. Don't you whoop that baby. You get back. She's like angry at me. You know, I'm trying to be Uncle Savior. I'm a Chris. And so I come in, Uncle Christos. And uh, so I, but when you laugh at a kid, it encourages them. They don't stop. They do it more. And so that's what she knew. Oh, you think it's funny? Catch me outside. And Dr. Phil's like, no, what are you trying to say right now? You know what she's trying to say. She's saying, catch me outside. Won't you come get you some? That's what she's saying. And then the audience is laughing and she does it some more. So she gets more riled up. Catch me outside. How about that? Catch me out. She's jumping up. She's in Dr. Phil's face. I mean, this dude's like 6'4", 280. And, and <laughs> she's like, you want some of this too? Catch me outside. And so over and over and over again, how about that? Catch me outside. Just, just rebellious and angry and frustrated with, with life and people. And what she's really doing is protecting a heart that's been broken by something. But we look and we laugh and we, what do we do? We share it. Because it's kind of funny. I mean, it's kind of amusing. Any mama that could be as foolish as this mama and doesn't know how to control her daughter any better than that, it's a little bit difficult to feel sorry for. You know, instead of, instead of sending her to get help, she hires her an agent so that she can make more money off of her because that's the culture that we live in. They'd rather make a dollar than have discipline. Mm, my bad. Okay, so <clears throat> I YouTube, I YouTube, I YouTube this girl and and she, like, I just did like a simple count. I just said, how about that girl? And, and I was like, Jesus, please don't let anybody come in my office. <laughs> so just by that simple YouTube video, I just, like a quick little count, almost 200 million views on these videos. And that's just on YouTube. That doesn't count Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and all the other silly junk, you know, Twitter um, and all that stuff. Um, it, just on YouTube, over 200 million views. Do you know why right now in our culture, the how about that girl is more famous than Jesus? Because young people are sharing her more than we're sharing him. See, the way to make Jesus famous is not to keep him to ourselves. It's to share him. It's to tell the world about him. It's to show what it looks. Now, listen, if you shared the how about that girl, I'm not trying to condemn you. I almost did. I was just like, I can't put that on Facebook. I can't even handle that kind of talk. If that girl was my daughter, my whole body would hurt from swinging at her. It was like, I don't even know what I would do. Um, so I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just trying to inspire you to consider what you share or Maybe what we don't share enough. Why is it easy to share the how about that girl? Why is it easy to share the cash me outside? It's because it's easier to share rebellion than it is to share redemption. Because re rebellion elevates self, and it's the opposite of what the Scripture says. In rebellion, we increase ourselves. But in redemption, we decrease ourselves and we increase Him. So it's easier to share rebellion than it is to share redemption. And it's actually the exact opposite of what a child of God would want, really want. Let me give you a picture of a child of God. 
Well, that was going to sound really arrogant. Hang on. Let me paint you a picture of the heart of a child in the face of a father. So we have family over. We have people in our house, and our children are playing in the back rooms. And all of a sudden, our pleasant meal is interrupted by this show. It's not Broadway. It's not runway. But it is a little scary, okay? These three kids along with their little cohort that they have now developed from friends of family. They come prancing in, and Adeline's leading the way. <clears throat> everyone, everyone is going to do what Adeline says because she has a plan, and we're going to make a presentation. I stop eating, and I start watching because my interest has been had. Adeline, even though she's already taller than all the rest of the children— gets a bathroom stool. We're going to make it a podium for the day. We brush our teeth and got off the potty with it last night, but today it is our stage. She stands on the bathroom stool slash stage, and she makes her presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement. We are here to present you a show. And all the other kids, they got clinkers and tinkers and pots and pans and things that make noise that I didn't even know where we had those. I thought those were hidden. We put those away on purpose. But they have been found and they present the show and it is the silliest thing that any of us have ever seen. No one is on key. No one is singing the same song, but they're all singing a song. And why are they doing it? Because in the depth of their heart, they want to please their father. They don't always get it right. They don't always do it perfectly. But their desire is to please their daddy and their mother. Listen, you don't always have to do it right. Sometimes you're going to learn from what you would perceive as a failure. But it's the heart behind the action that God sees. And I can promise you this, whether you feel it or not, every effort made to appease your heavenly father has been received with joy. He's not looking to teach you a lesson. He's looking for you to be willing to serve, possibly even to make a valiant effort just to please him. Well, you don't have to please God. You're right. You don't have to please God. I want to. My children don't have to please me. If they don't, I will whip them profusely. But if they don't have to, there's something about the relationship that their mother and I have developed with them that causes them to have the desire to please us. Whatever that looks like for you. The unsung hero of Scripture today is, is not going to be one that you had considered before. If you'll turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 19... We're going to look at verses 30 through 34 and then 35 through 40. It's this one passage of this time where Jesus could have really stayed hidden, but he had constructed on purpose this opportunity to reveal himself in Jerusalem. There have been many times before when Jesus would intentionally avoid Jerusalem because he knew what would happen when he entered but this was not one of those times. In fact, as you're going to see, Jesus constructs this entire operation and allows his name to be spread at a level in a place that he knew was going to condemn him just because he had a plan 
And it was actually a plan of attack. Watch this. Verse 30, he said to his disciples, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Loose it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Verse 32. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he said. But as they were loosening the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosening the colt? And they said to him, the Lord has need of him. Now, I don't know if you've ever done much dealings with donkeys, but they are not the most obedient of types. They're a little bit difficult. I have seen, I didn't do this, okay? So don't send the animal rights activist people to my house. I watched it and I might've found it somewhat amusing, but for the most part, I was wondering how much longer this was gonna take place. I have seen individuals just to get a donkey on a trailer to take it home, take a broad two by four with everything that they had inside of them and slap that donkey on the behind. I mean, if they hit me like that, I would have told them where my grandmother hides her money. But this donkey did not move. It didn't even budge. It went. "Mm." And there's somebody in the front yanking on this donkey and people in the back. And yet the donkey, in what we would assume to be its stubbornness, stands firm, not willing to move. It's actually frightening how staunch these animals are. Even the little ones with the pretty little cross on their back, they're the angriest ones. I saw a little beautiful white donkey. I know that don't even say beautiful donkey. That don't make sense. But this donkey was pretty had a cross on his back. I was like, man, that donkey's amazing. He's, that's the coolest little donkey I've ever seen. I got on him and he turned into the most demonic little donkey I'd ever seen. In fact, we were inside eating lunch. We used to, I worked at Searcy, Arkansas, and we had this big presentation every year that we would do for the nativity scene that Pastor Mark Farron would dream and build and do. And we had donkeys and goats and camels and, and all these animals. And I was the youth pastor, so guess who got to clean their poop and feed them? This guy. Thank you, Jesus. Ministry's great. So I'd go out and I'd take care of them. And I had done my duty for the morning. Duty, I said, sorry. I had done the deal for the morning. And, and I went back inside and we were eating lunch and I heard this god awful sound. Just this, I don't want to do it because it's obnoxious and painful, but just the worst sound that, I mean, just miserable sound. We're like, what in the world? So me being the, um, you know, provider of the animals and the person, I jumped up because it sounded like somewhat like a donkey. This little white donkey had taken this full grown mule to the ground. And this little white donkey had its teeth on this mule and was, and that mule was making this, I don't know what it was, some kind of manifestation sound coming out of its mouth. And, and I jumped the fence and I'm telling you, I had a steel toe boot on. It was, I didn't know what else to do. So I just, I took that white donkey and I, boom, I kicked him in the jaw and he went, he bit down harder, just stubborn, crazy. I didn't know what I was, what do I do? It's like a, I didn't know that donkeys had the spirit of bulldogs inside of them. This dude was not letting go. So what most people, listen, listen, what most people, catch me, catch me, cash me, cash me. (laughs) What most people perceive as stubbornness 
is actually protectiveness. When we look at other individuals and we think, well, what don't they change? What won't they do? What won't they? Because they perceive themselves to be protecting themselves. See, the donkey stoves up, not in stubbornness, but in an attitude of perseverance. Because they don't know what's going to happen next. They don't know where they're going. They don't know why everybody else is on that thing. And they don't want to have anything to do with it because they are afraid of what lies ahead. They're survivalist. They're unwilling, catch this, they're unwilling to see the reward is greater than the risk. Hello, church of Western civilization. Did you know, I've said this a few weeks ago, but the greatest risk that you will ever take in life is never taking one. The greatest risk is not the greatest risk. It's never taking the greatest risk. You've got to look at the reward and look at the risk and you've got to evaluate the two. And then if the spirit of God is saying, do it anyways, even though you may not know what the reward may be, even if it may look you, make you look silly, or even if it may cause you to stumble, and even if it may take you out of your comfort zone, you've got to be able to hear the voice of God, be his sheep and say, Lord, send me, I'll go, even though I don't know. The donkey is not willing to do that. It's the Eeyore mentality. I just want to go along to get along as long as somebody will pin my tail back on. (laughs) I need to get to the next moment. I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other so that I don't fall or offend anybody. That's not God. God doesn't want you to be bored. He created you for greatness. He put a potential inside of you that only you can achieve. This donkey was the cult of another donkey. It was the son of a donkey. It had never been ridden. It had never been considered. It had never had a purpose before. It had been tied and bound. Listen, bound to that pole for a long time. Now, I just took care of the donkeys for a couple of days. And thankfully, I had a shovel. But this donkey had been standing, tied and bound to a pole in one place, never ridden, never considered, without a purpose. And yet it was satisfied, standing in its own mess and bound. We have too many people today who are satisfied with standing in their own mess bound to a pole, bound to an addiction, bound to a personality, bound to a past. We cannot stay in the muck and the mess and be satisfied. I'm telling you, there's something around the corner. The donkey was stuck. The donkey was single. It was lonely. But Jesus saw potential in the donkey that nobody else saw. Sometimes we feel like we're destined to spend our days bound in our mess. But I'm telling you today that there is a life everlasting that God wants you to step into. There was a light for your tomorrow, even though you may feel like you're standing in darkness today. We'll never be able to do what God has called us to do or created us to do because we cannot free ourselves. You will not be freed Because you are able to reach up and unlock the chains. 
You will not be freed because of the valiant effort that you put forth to try to rip the column out of place so that your neck can be loosed by that which constricts you. How will he ever get past this obstacle in his way? How can I ever make ends meet? How will my finances ever line up? How will I ever overcome this addiction? How will I ever see that prodigal return home? How will I ever be able to lay these filthy hands on somebody else and believe God for their healing and restoration? How will I ever become more than my father and my grandfather before? I'm stuck in the atmosphere of my environment. I'm standing in my own mess. I'm bound to this pole and I can't get free. I'm telling you today that Jesus is sending a disciple your way to loosen the chains and take you off the pole for your purpose. The king is coming and he is coming for you. You do not have to be a product of your own environment. You do not have to be a product of your past. You don't even have to be a product of your present You get to be a product of the divine potential that God has placed in you to produce kingdom principles in your life and the lives around you. God has a purpose for you, your family, your finances, your future, even your physical body. And I don't care if you're eight or 88, your heart's still beating and there's still lungs and and air going through your lungs. You still have a divine destiny. If you had achieved it already, he would have brought you home. But you're sitting here listening with the ears of your spirit today. And I'm telling that spirit to wake up one more time because the king is coming through and he's coming for you there is a disciple coming down the road walking right to you you may be standing in your mess and bound by your moment but somebody sees you the king is coming and he's coming for you look at verse 35 then they brought him to Jesus do you remember the day when you first experienced his presence When you were first freed. When you, with the eyes of your heart, sensed and saw the king of glory. The Bible says that they brought this son of a donkey to Jesus. They threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. The Bible says, deny yourself, make less of yourself, and increase him. So all you're doing is carrying the king through the city. You're ushering in the presence of God. And I tell you today that some of you need to stop trying to be like Jesus and just start be willing, start being willing to be like John the Baptist. Where you just usher in an opportunity that they wouldn't have seen if it weren't for you. Maybe instead of trying to be like Jesus all the time, you just need to give somebody an opportunity to see him. Last Sunday night, three gentlemen walked into the back of the church. One of them was tormented. He was inebriated. He was lost and he was hurting. And I said, God, either you're going to sober this guy up or I'm going to go eat dinner. (laughs) I'm going to prepare the way. I told him to lift his hands. He lifted his hands. I said, I want you to look 
with everything that you have through those bloodshot eyes, and I want you to see Jesus. Because if Jesus can sober up Joe Oden in his living room watching television on TBN through a purple-headed lady, or pink, I love you, Chelsea. <laughs> then he can sober up a son that's hurting in the back of his sanctuary. So we praying. What happened, Pastor Chris? I don't know. <laughs> Hadn't seen him since. But why didn't you pray harder? Because it's not my responsibility to just be Jesus. It's my responsibility to provide an opportunity for Jesus to be himself. We push people further away from the kingdom of God trying to be God. God doesn't need us to be him. He needs us to be us. He needs us to be obedient to his voice. Do only what he says and do all that what he, of what he says. They put Jesus on the donkey in verse 36 says, he went. And then other people started doing what they were doing. They spread their cloaks on the road. Did you know that people are watching how you respond to Jesus? And when you do what God's called you to do, they will automatically begin to at least consider doing what God has called them to do. Why are people putting their cloaks on the road? I don't know. I just saw him do it. I would do it too. <laughs> Why are you going to church all of a sudden? I don't know. Something happened to Frank and I was, I don't know. He's just different. I want to be like him. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Why do we do it that way? What does this say? What does that say? I don't know. I just saw it in scripture and I thought I'd give it a shot and let's see if Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think that he is and I think that somebody needs him to be. So I'm just going to do what he says and see if somebody follows. And the Bible says that they did it. They spread their cloaks on the road. Verse 37. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice. Everybody began to praise God, the Bible says, with a loud voice, not with a little sweet ring. I'm, look, my microphone goes out when I don't talk loud enough. <laughs> I'm Wonder where they got those new lights from. By your love, I don't know the words of this new song. They have it on the screen, the resurrected king. Now the Bible says they shouted. They saw Jesus coming and they didn't hold anything back. They didn't care what anybody thought. They didn't care what it sounded like. They just went after God with everything that they had because they saw the king coming into Jerusalem. The son of David has arrived. The Messiah is here. So they rejoiced and praised God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen Verse 38, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Verse 39, and some of the stinking Pharisees always have something to say. And they're still alive today. 
Every time that God wants to start moving, somebody has something to complain about. Don't be the Pharisee. If you don't have something positive to say about the ushering in of his presence, then zip your lips until you experience it too. I don't need a Pharisee trying to raise up its ugly head in the house of God because I'll attack that thing just like I will any other snake. I'll get somebody to get a machete and cut you off. Yeah, I didn't say I was going to go after it myself. Y'all caught that, didn't you? Don't be a Pharisee. When everything's going good, let it go good. Don't be critical just for the sake of being critical. I don't like the lights. I don't like the day. Why didn't they finish that that board? They should have gone all the way up. I don't know what the pastor's trying to do. I can't see with them yellow lights. I like the white lights. Just, just be quiet. 54 people got saved Monday night. Let's celebrate the coming king, the resurrection life that has taken place. There is a move of God going on in this city. And I'm telling you that God wants to use this church to put Eunice, Louisiana on the map. But he's not going to be able to do it if the Pharisee won't sit down and shut your mouth. My bad. They said, teacher, Rebuke your disciples. Why in the world would I do that? They don't know what they're doing. They're too loud. They're obnoxious. Praise God. Finally. It's been 400 years since these people heard the voice of God and his son's riding through the city and they don't acknowledge him. They want him to make other people stop. It's been 40 years I've never recognized the presence of God. It's been a long time since I sensed his spirit in the place. But every time he tries to move, I don't like what's going on, so I sit back down. No, 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 no. No more. Jesus said, I can't do that. He answered, if I did that, if I told these who were praising my name to be silent, then the stones would immediately cry out. And if you don't believe it, then look what happened to the earth when the disciples scattered and the blood of Jesus hit the ground. The stones started making a sound that they had not made before. And it wasn't man who went and tore the veil. It was the earth that shook and caused the blood of Jesus to be anointed enough to open up up the floodgates of his presence upon his people and the veil tore from top to bottom just to make sure that everybody knew that it wasn't a person who put their hands on the holy of holies it was God himself and it was because the stones cried out I'm wrapping up this morning we need a revelation of who Jesus is we need to know him if you don't know what else to pray, listen, it's so easy. Salvation is it's not the essence of everything that we are, but it is the ignition of everything that we could be. So many times we want to just be saved and stop right there. When God's trying to just start right there. He, he came in. And, and he was, he intentionally positioned himself. See, the devil has a plan for you too. Lucifer has a plan for your life, teenagers. And it's not a plan to prosper you, to bring you hope. It's a plan to discourage and distract, destroy and kill you. 
And if he can get you to stop having hope, then he can start the process of stealing and killing and destroying in your life. So what did the enemy do then that he's done today? He raised up an empire. Today, it's Western civilization. It may not be for very much longer. Then it was Roman. And the devil thought, I've got him. You think the devil was scared when the savior of the world was born to a virgin in Bethlehem? You think he was afraid when the carpenter's son was working on the boards with his not biological father? You think he was frightened when this child at seven and eight years old was hidden in Nazareth of Galilee, the weakest and the littlest of all? No, but I'm telling you that something started to shudder when the 12-year-old began to prophesy in the temple. And then all of a sudden, when he was 30 years old, he went out into the wilderness to fast and to pray for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil left him alone. He waited until his weakest moment. He waited until he was the most vulnerable He does the same thing to us. Tempted him. He waved the proverbial carrot in front of the donkey's face to try to get him to go in another direction. You're either carrying Jesus or you're carrying the weight of something that you're not supposed to be carrying. So Jesus, on purpose, intentionally, decided now is the day. This is the time. The Romans had not been concerned about a man named Jesus from Nazareth because he wasn't doing anything to hurt their home. He wasn't doing anything to threaten their impact. Caesar didn't care who Jesus of Nazareth was because Caesar was so far above and beyond what Jesus could ever be that he wasn't worried about it. Until Jesus took a donkey to usher in his presence of triumph and victory into the city of God before the people of God and the people began to cry out, King! now he has Caesar's attention now he has the centurion's attention Caesar these people are calling this man king it's getting serious down here there's going to be an uprising they're threatening our impact they're going to do something crazy they're going to rise up and commit some kind of atrocity that we may not be able to handle it's like the revolution of the Maccabeans that for this time they have a leader and they're calling him king they're saying he's the son of David you remember the history books of what happened to the people and the uh, the tribes that, that rose up against David and Solomon do you remember the kingdom that God built back in the Old Testament that's going to happen to us we got to do something 
Did you know that Jesus intentionally positioned himself to be crucified so that you could intentionally be positioned to be saved? I'm telling you, he came here on purpose and his people need a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. He's the one who turned Abram the farmer into Abraham the father of nations. Jacob the deceiver into Israel triumphant in God. Joseph the slave and made him second in command in Egypt. Moses the displaced into Moses the deliverer. He split the sea, provided manna in the wilderness, quail from the sea, and water from the rock. He anointed Joshua to inherit the promised land, covenanted Ruth to her kingsman redeemer, and forgave David in the midst of his adultery and sin. He sent an angel to minister to Elijah and destroy an army for Hezekiah. He rested with Daniel in the den of the lions and protected Nehemiah as he rebuilt the wall. He used the beauty and the obedience of Esther to persuade the barbarian king. He imposed his will on Jonah, the evangelist, to save the nation of Nineveh and prophesied through Malachi how to open the windows of heaven. He took a tax collector, turned him into a giver, took a fisherman and turned him into a fisher of men. He took a prostitute and made her a maiden of his ministry. He took a murderer named Saul and turned him into a missionary named Paul. He took John the recluse and turned him into John the revelator. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega, the everlasting to everlasting. His kingdom shall never end. He was the lion that was slain and the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. He is my savior. He is my healer. He is my baptizer. He is my blessed hope. His name is Jesus. He is the king and he's coming for you today. He wants to reach this city through you and your family. He wants to restore your marriage through your broken heart. He wants to help you in every area and in every need. I'm telling you, you may feel like you're tied up in a mess and you are bound by a pole, but the disciple has been sent today to tell you that the king is coming and he's coming for you. That's who he is. And if he can use the son of a donkey to usher in his presence, then he can use you and he can use me. He doesn't need your ability. He just needs your availability. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you're in this room right now and you feel like you've been standing in your own mess and you're bound by a pole, you can't free yourself and you need to know that Jesus sees you and desires to use you just as you are. Would you raise your hand? Don't be bashful. Just raise your hand. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody? I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Come on, teenagers. Don't sit there and be still. You know Jesus is talking to you today. Is he talking to you? Raise your hand. Say, that's me. That's me. Thank you. That's me. You have sin accessible in your hand. And it's bound you at night when nobody else is around. Lift that same hand right now and say, that's me. That's me. That's me. I see you. That's me. That's me. 
I want God to have control of my future. I want to carry Jesus into Jerusalem. I want to usher in the presence of the King today. That's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Before the biggest day of the year, would you commit your ways to Jesus in a way that you never have before? I want everybody in the room to just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive me for forgetting, for taking your words lightly. Anoint me to accomplish your will, to walk in your ways. Help me to know you and make you known. Save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to share you, the life that you have. Fill me with your spirit and empower me to be a witness, to make a difference, to make your name famous. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning? If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, if you asked forgiveness today, if you committed your life to Christ or recommitted your life to Christ, would you tell us? All you have to do is sit down and fill out a card in front of you. I'm gonna ask our, our prayer team to just throughout the sanctuary, in the back, along the, along the side, and then maybe just a couple up front. Just gotta, you guys spread yourselves out. Go ahead, go ahead, it's okay, go, go. Just spread yourselves out. I'm gonna ask as we're gonna ask every week. If the Holy Spirit spoke something to you today and dealt with your heart in any way in this message and you wanna come forward and just bow at the altar and drive a stake in the ground, God already knows the decision that you've made but I wanna encourage you to let everybody in this place and every other power and principality that's watching, I wanna encourage you to let them know today's made a difference in me. And because Jesus has made a difference in me, I'm gonna make a difference for him. If you need prayer in any form or fashion, Holy Spirit said anything to you today for just one more song. Would you go find someone that's standing around this room? Would you bow right where you are? Would you come forward and pray? Would you fill out a connect card so that we know what happened in your life today? Tell us what to pray for on the front. And if you run out of room, write it on the back. We gather every Tuesday morning and we get every card and we lay hands on them and we agree with you in prayer. Church, would you help me in this one more song? to just worship and, 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 and exalt the name of Jesus because then he will draw all men. Listen, don't sit there if he did something in you. Make a move. Make a move in his house so that he can make a move outside through 
your life. I'm going to pray. I want you to go. Jesus, help us right now to be bold enough to step out. Right now, step out. In Jesus' name, I pray that we would come forward, that we would go back, that we would move to the side, that we would be obedient to your voice, that if we prayed a prayer today that we have not prayed before, I pray that we wouldn't lean on the altar of last week because it's not going to help us in this week. Right now, I pray that you would help us to be obedient to your voice, to respond to your call, and to go and do what you tell us to do in Jesus' name. Come on, just lead us. Let's just worship for a minute as we close. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Sorrow may last till the morning comes, but the cross has the I saw a lot more hands than I did movement. Come on. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Evil may put off its strongest fight, but the cross has the final word. atmosphere of worship would you ask the Lord to increase your faith God increase our faith so that we can trust in you more believe in you more to do and to see the things that we read about in your word that they wouldn't just be the stories that we read about but they would be the stories of our lives Lord, if you can use the cult of a donkey, then you can use me. Come on, would you believe that today? 
If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I don't need you to just move mountains. I don't need you to change my situation. I need you to move my heart. I need you to change me. Come on, just commit, Lord. I give you my all. And I pray that you would help me to accomplish everything that you created me to accomplish. I rebuke the powers and principalities that would speak into anybody's mind right now, even an ounce of doubt. And by the power invested in me because of the blood of Jesus alone, I speak life. I speak faith. I speak obedience and discipline. I speak revelation. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name today that you would bless us and keep us and that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us. I've been halted. Just hang tight with me for a minute. I speak against the spirit of suicide right now. I speak against depression and anxiety. That's not God's desire for you. It would torment the heart of God to lose you as much as it would torment me to lose one of my children. I speak against it. I'm telling you that the love of God is greater still. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Father, help us to know you, to make you known. Replace the dead dreams with visions that are alive in you. Hide us in the cleft of the rock that is Jesus. Help us to dwell in your presence and abide in your shadow. Anoint us to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways. Empower us by your spirit to be a witness in Eunice, in the surrounding area, in the state of Louisiana, in the nation of the United States, and around the world in every way possible. I love you, God, and I thank you that you have a divine destiny for every individual in this room and represented by this room. And I thank you the day that these things have been heard and received in the King's room. They've been dictated and established. I pray that they would be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap today. Love on somebody on the way out.